I'm John Bond. Welcome to Move Yourself Happy. Made for fitness enthusiasts who want to make their passion their profession. Are you unhappy in your present job? Are you passionate about health and fitness? Do you want to release your true potential? If the answer is yes, this podcast is for you. I will be teaching you the specific knowledge that every trainer and coach needs to be successful. So listen closely as I share my expertise with you. So just like me, you can love what you do. Aaron, cheers for coming on today's show. Nice. Nice to have you here. Um, before we get into the, the juicy details of this exciting business adventure that we're going to be discussing today, um, just take us back and tell anyone that's listening about your journey as a football player, but also when you got qualified as a trainer, and then how it links to today's conversation. Yeah, so um, I signed for Southampton Football Club when I was 14, and then... By 16, I signed my first pro contract. Um, everything was going well. I was training with the first team. I was um, tipped to play first team that year. So I was in the championship at the time, I think. Um, manager really liked me. Um, had a small knee injury, so a bit of surgery. Nothing major, just a bit of keyhole. Um, and then spent the next five years, five, six years at the club. Um, unfortunately, didn't make any first team appearances, but part of the youth setup, etc. Um, left there when I was 20, signed for Forest Green Rovers um, up in Gloucestershire, um, spent six years there. Within, I think, the first two years, uh, I think I tore my ACL for the first time on my right leg. Um, at the level I was playing at the time, it was obviously quite a good level, but nothing, money wasn't amazing at the time, so I couldn't sort of sit back on my savings, so I had to invest in myself and think, after this injury, if I didn't play again, I need something to fall back on, so that's when I got into personal training. Got qualified at 22, done a little bit of work on the side whilst I was rehabbing, um, but then once I was back playing, I sort of parked the bus in it and just continued playing. Um, Seems like the obvious choice, doesn't it, if you're a sporty, active individual, earning money from doing that, yeah, yeah. it's almost like the next best thing, really, isn't it? It was, since, since I started training when I was 16, so when I went first went to Southampton, we got, went, went there full-time, we were training in the gym, probably every day or every other day. And ever since then, I had an interest in it. Um, always quizzing the strength and conditioning coaches, why are we doing this, why are we doing that, how can I be better and all that stuff. So I think from the from the get-go, always had an interest in it and I think that's what led me to kind of do the course at 22. Um, but yeah, so then after I got qualified, sort of got back playing um, and then done my ACL for a second time on the same knee around 26 years old, I think. Um, or t- 25, 26. That was a long process because it was the second time doing it on the same leg. So that was about a 16, 17 month recovery process. Um, so during that time, I've done a lot of football coaching. Um, and then I had the ambition to get back into the uh, full-time football, but I also wanted to move back home and sort of get settled down here, um, sort of get into that sort of age. So it was slim pickings locally for a team at the level where I was playing. So... I tried to get, um, I went to Dagenham and Redbridge, I think up in London, that was about as far as I wanted to go in terms of full-time football, didn't quite um, get accepted there, so in the end I chose to come down, play for Worthing part-time and pick up a job, personal training um, on on the side. 
So that was around 2728. That was SBC, yeah, yeah, just down the road. So started working there. Which is very much, it, so my understanding of that, that place there, it's very much a sort of functional, athletic, performance-type gym, isn't it? It's not aesthetic gym. It's about improving function and performance. It's, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's basically just to improve anyone's performance in everyday life and or sports. So you could have... We used to have a lot of elderly clients there who just wanted to feel better and, and train, lift some weights, be stronger, just to help their everyday life, whether it's to play with their grandkids or to move things around the house without being in pain. So we'd have a right variety of people there, which is actually mm. really good coming out of the sporting industry or the football industry. My first thought was I wanted to train with athletes. And when I got working there, it's actually quite interesting to work with people who weren't training towards their athletic goals, but like hearing their stories about wanting to be stronger and feel more mobile to play around with their grandkids and or do stuff around the house. So it's mm. quite interesting. It's a bit of a learning curve. I like, because um, I always, some some of the aspects of what they do down there are quite similar to CrossFit, <coughs> know, the way they, they they do things. Yeah. The good the good aspects of it. And uh, I always like the CrossFit tagline, isn't it? Unleash your inner athlete. Yeah. And that idea that, you know, we're, we're all, potential athletes you know whether you choose to go on and be elite athlete and you know get paid for it or whatever yeah. is one thing but actually just improving athleticism in term improves your quality of life and um reduces injury risk heart disease everything else so that sounds like that's kind of what you're doing with the, the old people there yeah no it is 100 this is this is exactly what it was i think it's just people some people come there don't necessarily want to change much about their lifestyle because they enjoy it. So the good food, the, the wine, the beer, which is fine. But they want to do it alongside some training programs that are still going to make them feel better, do better. So it's not, like you say, it's not not everyone wants to be an athlete, but you can train like one for, your, for the health benefits. Mm. So I think that's quite, um, not a motto over there, but I think you have a lot of people there that understand that process and that's what they choose to do. Yeah. No, they've always come across well from that point of view for sure because they they look like that sort of training company that is is applying the science rather than just you know what you read in slag off men's fitness but like it's not just go based off an article in men's fitness or no it, it's or yeah the, the guys over there are generally very very knowledgeable in what they do and they're not they don't get carried away with the fads and sort of the gimmicks and they understand that not everyone wants to come in and have a, have a six pack and you know, be as fit as possible. And like I said, train up an athlete. Some people generally just want to come in because they know exercise makes them feel better. They want to have that alongside a happy lifestyle. And like I said, whether that is eating good food and drinking good wine or if that's them trying to be more mobile for the kids, that's they understand that and they understand people have their priorities. So they just try to accommodate however they see fit. And like you said, I think it's, it's similar to a CrossFit model in terms of the intensity, definitely. But it's obviously not as complex as some of the CrossFit, CrossFit methods. Less um, Olympic lifting and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a bit more the basic movements, but still with the intensity and, and the volume. Yeah, okay, cool. So you've always had a passion uh, with health and fitness. You obviously got into professional football. Um, you had your injuries. Your, you then started to look at getting qualified as a PT on the side and, and sort of layering that into your career as well. So you've had that running in the background. Now you sort of you're at the stage now. Well, tell us a bit about where you're at the stage now with your football. Yeah, so as of mm, October seventh last year, twenty twenty three, um, suffered my fourth ACL, third one on the, on the same leg. 
um, which is effectively the end of my career in football. The process for this is around, or the comebacks around 15 months. So with a full-time job, you know, two kids under three, partner at home, it's just not, I don't see it a realistic option to try and get back fit into terms of trying to play football again. Because I think the the workload in getting back from an ACL, just a normal one, just a one-off, nine-month recovery, you need to put a lot of time, dedication, you need to have a lot of effort put into it. And that's in like a full-time environment, which I've mm. experienced obviously before. So to try and come back from a third ACL, which is effectively a 15 to 16-month recovery, you know, with a full-time job, with two kids under three, with a partner, with a, a completely different lifestyle now. It's just, I could do it. It'll take so longer. did you say this is your third or your fourth? It's my fourth ACL, but third on the right knee. I mean, so, okay, right. So is that is that typical for, is for, do, do you meet many other? I don't think that's quite common. No. <laughs> no, that's I think I've only not... ever met one person who's done two on either leg. Because um, normally, like, <clears throat> like a non-athlete, if they... If they did their ACL once from running recreationally or uh, or having a kick around with a lap, that that's that's it, isn't it? They don't tend yeah. to. They're like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, but that's, I, I think part of that is though because potentially they probably haven't got the full time support to have yeah, the knowledge. Yeah, right. like, so I've been fortunate enough in the last three years to have, you know, the uh, the environment around me where I've had full time physios, full time strength and conditioning coaches, um, time in my day to dedicate. The, the rehab process so, mm. so the first thing for ACL recovery is try to get a range of motion back in your leg and I remember doing it and the first time we were doing five we were doing sorry stretching the knee and mobilising it and doing the exercises there's about five or six exercises to do um, for your typical three rounds of X amount of time or reps and I was doing that programme five times a day for about six weeks so again putting that into context I have no idea where I'd find time in my day to do that five times a day for six weeks with a full-time job, um, kids, etc. I mean, the re- different lifestyle. The motive, the reward at the end of that's got to be pretty high and oh. and guaranteed, which I'm guessing it's not, is it? It's it's one of those ones where if if I was younger, I definitely would do it because I've still got time. But if I if I'm looking to try and get back from that, I'll be 34 years old, and what they tend to do with ACL injuries is use your tendons and muscle muscle tendons from your body as your ACL graft. So I've had my patella tendon, I've had my quad tendon and my hamstring tendon used for my ACL. All right. You're running out of tendons. Running out of tendons. Well, this is what the, the, the surgeon said. He said, you can't keep taking from your body because it's just going to weaken your legs around the knee. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to put a, an allograft in, which is effectively a dead person's tendon. So when they pass, they... Um, Donate their body to science, and we obviously use their tendons, for whatever. Yeah, um, they specifically ask for it to go to a, a Worthing player or <laughs> Worthing <laughs> College. A Worthing fan dedicated. <laughs> no, the, uh, I'm gonna <laughs> donate my tendons to Aramisen, please. <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but the um, the research suggests this is that's the weakest type of graft. So not only you know if I get back in 15 months, which is highly un- un- unrealistic because of time and effort. But I'll also have a graft in my knee that will be the weakest out of all four that I've had. And I'll be 34 years old. Realistically, how much more am I going to play in terms of at 34 in my head? If I did get that fit at 34, I might have a year left. And then in that year, that that will be the highest chance possible that my knee will go again because of the other graft, because of the fourth I'm doing it, because of my age. 
So it's like the risk to reward thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So when you're younger, well, risk and reward, yeah, you dedicate and put time in, you do it. But right now, much it pains me, football is that little bit of a side. There's so much more that I've got going on in my life now. So Yeah. Yeah, this this all <coughs> leads on really nicely to what you're going to be doing now with your fitness qualifications. And I do want to talk about that, obviously. However, I'm really interested in, in this, this injury journey because, yeah, four times, that's a lot. So your tenacity and, and, and actually your resilience, it's got to be up there, isn't it? I mean, that, I don't think everyone's <coughs> capable of doing that. I think the, the first one that I've done, I was a bit naive and oblivious to really what it was. I just got told nine month recovery. I was in the full-time environment. It just meant to me that I'd be injured for nine months, but I'd get back fit and I'd play. So at that moment, it wasn't really like a daunting thing. It was just more upsetting that I weren't playing. Yeah. So the second time doing it, that was the tough one because although I had full-time staff around me, halfway through the process, I didn't. So when I first done it, I did. But then my contract ran out at Forest Green. So I was effectively, I had no support for some of that process or for some of the rehab. And that's that was the hardest part of my recovery because I, I, I had no job. I had nothing to do. All I had was time to work on it. But then I also had time to just overthink about everything. Mm. And I remember going to the gym some days and thinking, I can't, I can't be asked for this, I can't be bothered. And this is my career. I'm trying to get back to earning a living. And it was some of the darkest times in terms of how I was feeling because I had no motivation. I had no football club to go to. I had you know, questions in your head. Are you even going to come back and play? Um, during that process as well, because it was a long one, that was a 16-month layoff. I actually had to go back to my surgeon a couple of times because I had some little niggles in there. So mm. all these things that are playing in your mind and sort of putting the barriers up thinking you're not going to get back. So that was probably my toughest one in terms of men- mentally. And then done my third one, um, had a bit more support around me, a bit more know-how. And that was a short one, that was only nine months. So again, doing a 16-month stint then going back to nine months, you think, oh, that's not too bad. Um, yeah, I mean, so, I'm yeah. guessing, so obviously I'm praising your tenacity and resilience for it. For sure, but I, I imagine your family and girlfriends at the time, and they probably need a bit of praise for tolerating you as a lot. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, do you know what? I, I, my first, well, up until this one, um, I've I've been single for my other three. So in terms of like girlfriend, uh, no okay, support fine. there. And in terms of like family and friends, yeah, but I, I sort of lived on my own, so I didn't really. Right. I wasn't so going I home yeah. to an environment where if I was feeling down, someone could notice it and say, "Come on, you can do it," or whatever. I was still. I think that's probably why during that second one was actually quite tough because of that reason where I didn't have actually any support around me. I was living on my own. Yeah. Um, I had no job. I had no, I had no real purpose apart from trying to get fit. During my third one, that's when I was at Worthen Football Club and then back in that sort of environment where I had a bit more support and a bit more team morale to get you through it, etc. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the only reason I say that is because I know, I know what a pain in the arse I am to my wife um, if I don't exercise. I mean, she's literally like, um, you know, I'll be pacing up and down the house and I'm not, even not, I'm not even aware I'm doing it. And she's like, honey, do you need to go for a run or something? Like, go and work out, whatever. Like, you're, you're getting on my nerves, you know. <laughs> so uh, she was like, send me off. I'm like, yeah, you are. I'm going to go do some exercise. So if I had a significant time period of not exercising, mm. that would definitely impact my mental health, and I would, I would have to work out a way to manage that. Yeah, um, I would be a, a massive pain in the ass to anyone that, I, that lived with me. I should imagine. Um, so yeah, you, you, I suppose it was a um, kind of a blessing <laughs> the fact that you're you're not with your your um, fiance 
during that second one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For her, <laughs> yeah. but not so much for you because you would have liked some. Yeah. yeah, you would have liked some support. I expect. It's been. It's to be fair. This one's been tough because having, especially early on after doing doing the injury, having the injury done, um, being very immobile for about three or four weeks at home with a newborn, with a, a child that's two years old, and then my partner who's you know recovering from birth, and then potentially going back to work soon. It, but in that aspect, she's been. Like really supportive, and even now to the point where, you know, before my last two operations, the surgeons and my physio have always said, get as strong as you can before you go back into surgery. So now I'm in the gym training, trying to get my leg as strong as possible before I have the operation, so the process after is a little bit easier. Mm. So in terms of support for this final one, it's actually been really good because she does allow me to give control, gives me time to go to the gym, um, go and train. You know, looks after two kids. So as much as, yeah. it, as much as it's impacted me, it's actually probably had a big impact on her, especially early on. And probably once I have the operation again, it'll probably hit hard. Yeah, she sounds life. like a keeper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's why you're marrying her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I've actually never met her. What's her name? Tilly. Tilly. Oh yeah, Tilly. Yeah. I have to say Tilly. Tilly. Right. Um, brilliant. Right. Okay. So let's not labour that much more. Although <coughs> I am still, I, I do, I do find all that very interesting. I mean, we did a when I was at uni, we did a module on one module across three years on <laughs> sports injuries that's it yeah. uh, and at the time I was sat next to um, my mate Chris Hendy who's he's been on the podcast and he was he played ice hockey and roller hockey for Great Britain and he was strapped up with ACL um, and she basically was talking about how um, the statistics for recovery from those sort of injuries are they're not good yeah, <laughs> when you yeah. look at them and and often they're that's it sort of career enders for people um, and she's talking about this and I've sat next to him just looking at him I can see his face just dropping and, I mean he has <coughs> I think he did come back from it and he still plays sort of recreation yeah. now and he's still good and stuff but um, I don't think everyone's got it in them have they to to overcome that but then but then that, to play sport at the level you played you wouldn't have got to that level if you didn't have the certain qualities you need to be able to overcome that, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I think I've I've always got I've always had a, quite a good work ethic in terms of I think it's, I think it's uh, like I don't want to be I don't want to be shit or anything. I don't want to be the worst. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a been my mentality's never been sort of want to be the best. I just don't want to be the worst. Mm. And I think that's taken me to you know being like in terms of like the fitness training in terms of football when we done pre season. Always, always top three, top uh, as I got older, like uh, top five now. Yeah, but always been up there because I've always had the mentality where I just don't want to be shit. I hate being shit at things. I hate being the worst. I hate not knowing things. So I think like a personality trait of mine, I think it's helped me get through it. Where that's the process. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back fit. When I come back fit, I'm not going to be that player who's injured and you know can't pop, move properly. Mm. Although I am quite stiff when I play, but I'm going to be that player who comes back fit and comes back better than what they were. Um, I think I suppose that's also led me into a, a passion of fitness training because I learned so much on the process on how to get strong, especially for you know knee rehab and um, post recovery after ACL. So part part of it was like you said there, the increased chance of getting injured again is quite high, mm. and I think there are stats out there. And someone did tell me when I was younger, but I've forgotten them. But obviously, you reduce that if you can keep your legs strong. And when I first done it, my, my manager done it. My sorry, my manager at the time when I first done it, he done his ACL when he was younger, but at that time it was a career-ending injury. 
But he said to me, you'll come back stronger. And at the time, I didn't understand that. Mm. It was a cliche thing you say to try and cheer someone up. But now I actually understand you, you come back stronger. Because when you do do that, you have to be stronger than what you were before to help prevent it happening again. Yeah. Obviously, in my case, I wasn't strong enough. It happened four times. <laughs> but the whole, the, whole, the whole process behind it was, right, so I take that on board. The whole training was, it's just about getting strong. Yeah. And I think that also led me into sort of the passion and enjoying the, the PT and the, the training. Yeah. Side. I mean, certainly for the non-athlete, um, they often say that when someone gets injured, it's, it's because they were weak. And it sounds like a horrible thing to say to someone. Mm. It's because you're weak. You know? yeah, yeah. But essentially that is, you know, if you, if you tear a pull a tendon, a ligament, a <coughs> muscle, it was weak. It's and weak summer, the yeah, way yeah. to avoid that happening again is to strengthen, strengthen that. So it does make sense. It's a big thing in the endurance industry, in the, um, the endurance community, <coughs> sorry, where they, they love their running, they love getting out there and doing their, clocking up their mileage and their volume. But they're not so keen to get in the gym and doing the strength, doing strength work. work. And that's the stuff yeah, that's going to increase the longevity of their career yeah, and yeah. prevent, you know, obviously increase their power output and everything else. But essentially, the one of the most important things for them is that, that injury prevention. And that's with any sport. And contact sports, blimey. Yeah, I mean, yeah. with um, one of the sort of buzzwords they often use in the strength conditioning world, I don't know if you've heard of it, but instead of saying, you know, building strength or whatever, they, they often call it armor building. For like for contact sports, yeah. Because if you're going to collide with someone and make contact, if you've got some muscle mass with some yeah, nice yeah. thick, robust tendons and ligaments, they're le- less likely to damage. So you're not going in the gym to build muscle to show off to everybody. You're building armor. Yeah, to protect yourself from you know, the sport. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so you're. You're, you, you obviously told us about this sort of mental journey that you're going through at the moment and, and your kind of crossroads with do you go down the recovery for a fourth time and try and keep going with your football career or do you retire and then use what you've learned and sort of channel that into something else? <laughs> um, so do you want to tell us what you decided on that? Yeah, no, so obviously... Um, yeah, chose to retire from football. It just wasn't viable. All the sort of signs and the avenue sort of point towards it. So my next venture now is to take sort of what the passion I have within obviously football, but also the fitness industry, and start some um, youth gym training. So some youth strength classes, something that I have done before for the past you know three three ish years uh, when I was working at SBC um, before I stopped to come work here but yeah just something that you know I I hear now that you know kids are allowed in the gym at 13 years old which I think is great I think it's, that's a, a, a real bold move from a lot of gyms but then obviously you know you hope they're guiding them in the right in the right way and helping them do with the right thing which mm. I've heard isn't necessarily the case um, so I'm going to start up this new business which we sole focus on just building strength for um, sort of teenagers, so from 13 upwards up until 16, um, which would be a bit of a hybrid model. So it'd be a, an opportunity to work in the gym with myself once a week, working on some basics, but also you know working on strength as well. Um, and then also it's like, sort of like a hybrid version where they can do some um, workouts from home and or at their gym through an app, which I have, uh, which they can sign up to. So it, it's, it'd be literally just teaching them the basics and then allowing them to then progress from the basics um, and then get stronger. Yeah, because we've been talking about this a lot recently, haven't we? About because um, there's so many directions you can go with it. You know, you can get super complicated and specific and detailed, but actually, 
uh, we both agreed, didn't we? At that level, um, you want it to be basic movement patterns yeah. that are going to give them the most, it's an overused expression in the fitness world, but the most bang for your buck. Yeah. So if they're going to be in that gym, what they're doing is going to be you know, giving them the tools they need yeah. to then progress to that next level. But yeah. you can't jump to that next level. You've got to build the foundation first. And that's no. what... There's, 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 there's two things as well I was going to talk about. But one of the... Going back to my injuries, it was... The issues... I'm, I said just then I had some issues with my second ACL, this 16, 17-month layoff. I went back and forth to see my surgeon. I was getting a lot of pain in my tendons and my knees or my knee that I was, that was injured. And then... He basically diagnosed me straight away there and then and said, you're not strong enough. So I, I went on from, you know, the phases of the um, rehab for ACL was obviously range of motion, um, get strong, then start doing some plyometrics and some running, etc. And then, you know, you get back to fitness eventually. I jumped from the strength phase too quickly to the, um, into that plyometrics, the running, the bounding, etc. Right, yeah, and yeah. You know, I was getting pain from doing that. Had no idea why. I thought I stuck to the schedule. But again, I stuck to the schedule in terms of time frame, but... Because my mental, when I said um, mentally I wasn't in the right place, I wasn't really pushing myself. I was doing the sessions, I wasn't doing the sessions. If that makes sense, and he just basically said, "Yeah, you're not strong enough. That's why you're getting tendon pain. Mm. Your legs aren't strong enough to move on to the, the sort of running the plyometrics." So, for me, the strength is the foundation for everything you do athletically. So it's not a case of like um, I'm going to do a little bit of strength here, and I'm going to do some speed work, and then hopefully do some plyometrics or whatever it is. I think you need to lay the foundation of strength yeah, before you absolutely. can go on to and go and do your plyometric or, or anything specific. Mm. So you want to try and do some power stuff, or let's lay the foundation. So I think for kids, it's really important to have the foundation before they do anything fancy. And you know what they're like now on social media; they'll see anything online, it'll be the fluff, whatever, and they want to just progress and move on to something too quickly, too soon. Yeah. So I really want to try and encourage it, you know, the basics of the important things, but also there's still the cool things you can do. But on top of that as well, and this is something I learned in football, um, when they have their growth spurts. So obviously, particularly in teenagers, they you know they grow you know six inches in six days. Some of these kids, <laughs> but that's when their coordination and certain things then start to regress. So it's really hot in, in football at the moment, and specifically down at Southampton where they can anticipate growth spurts in their players. There's a formula they do and they work out and you know when they think they can have that growth spurt, they actually pull the kids away from football, they put them back in the gym, they do really basic movements. So when they have their growth spurts, their coordination goes, um, if their coordination goes, their performance is affected on the pitch. Mentally, they can become a bit um, insecure about things. So the whole, there's a whole science around it. So I'm looking at the development of teenagers especially in the gym environment they're gonna you could be 14 years old and for the whole year you have you grow a little bit you train really well and then when you turn 15 they have a growth spurt and out, out of nowhere everything's out of sync mm. so then they regress backwards to where they were six months ago so it's almost like a two steps forward one step back process i think for teenagers as they get older so when they think they've got the basics and they can move on growth spurt happens right let's go back to the basics again. yeah so yeah it's almost like a excuse the language, but they're almost like pissing the wind a little bit because they're mm. doing so well, they'll regress because of growth and they'll go and go again. So I think for them at that age, it is literally learning the basics, trying to enjoy the gym, educating them on why, how you do things, how it can affect athletic performance, mental health, all that stuff. And then, you know, as they get older, 18, 19, 20, then they can maybe, they're not necessarily, that's the time to, go rogue and do you know specific training because you can incorporate that into teenagers but 
I think it's just, I just really want to emphasize the importance of basics is the important bit first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. It doesn't matter whether you're, say, completely with your age category, but with anyone, actually, isn't it? Like, people shouldn't be jumping those layers. I mean, I've had numerous analogies for this over the years, like, like a cake, you know, you've got to work your, you've got to start with the base layer, yeah. and next layer, next layer. And things like plyometric, as great as plyometrics are, they are the icing on the cake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of um, there's plenty of great players out there that, you know, I've never done any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the start, as you mean to go on with it, for the injury prevention and to get the best out of that, that that top layer, the icing at the top there, you've got to get that foundation in there. Yeah. You've got to yeah. get a strong, robust, musculoskeletal yeah. system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's annoying because. The basics aren't sexy and don't sell, which actually, I mean, learning to squat properly, learning to pick heavy things off the floor, hip hinge, learning to to push stuff, pull stuff, I think is cool. (laughs) I think improving someone's ability to be able to do that, rotate and do those sort of fundamental movements, I actually think is cool. I think think that comes with education. I think you understand the benefits of it and why it's important and how it can help you in everyday life. I think mm. if you don't understand that and you see someone, I mean, from experience when I was younger, it was all about getting a pump on. It's all about feeling the burn, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I don't know about you, but I speak for myself. Yeah. It's all about doing, doing your bench press and feeling the burn. Still is, yeah, before you came in. <laughs> but then, obviously, like you said, and as you get older, you understand the importance of rotational movements. And, you know, if you're going to do rotational movements or, you know, some farmer's carries, whatever it is, you're not necessarily going to get the burn, the pump that you want, but you know the importance of it. You know it's going to benefit you long run. You know, you know that it's going to help in your everyday life. So that's why you do it. And like you said, that actually is. As you get older, that's the second stuff. Do you know it's going to help you? Yeah. And the um, the thing we don't realise as well is that when you execute those movement patterns consistent, consistently, regularly, you stay the course. You trust the process. Really, Dave Hall quote. <laughs> Uh, trust the process. <laughs> Shout out, Dave Hall. Um, you, uh, as a side effect, you you do get the aesthetics anyway, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So, like, so. you will look good. I um, I took <clears throat> took Betsy, my six year old, to a gymnastics academy the other day, and uh, we we were watching uh, me and my wife, and the, some of the older kids, the more advanced ones, came in, and the young guys. I mean. They didn't look very old. They're probably only like 14, 15. And the girls, they their physical conditioning was immense. Mm. Like they looked like they went to the gym. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and they looked like they did do the buys and tries and all that. Yeah, yeah. But they, they didn't. They just were doing lots of handstand walks. Yeah, and yeah. They're on the bars, doing the pull-ups. And, and again, all that bodyweight stuff, which people probably wouldn't, teenagers wouldn't right. think, yeah, wouldn't think it's sexy or lift some heavy weights and they want to show off how heavy they are whereas yeah. you know aesthetically pleasing if you want to look like look good gymnastics would be the one that you go to that's something that I always I really want my youngest well both of them but we try to get my youngest Arlo into gymnastics it wasn't quite for us at the time I think a little bit too soon but eventually that's for me that's the foundation actually before you even get in the gym do strength training yeah, I think, body, if you, body weight stuff, I yeah. think if you can learn to do what they do with their body weight then that's the foundation to jump on to then strength training and then go from there. So, yeah, that's hopefully, if he likes it, that's the plan to try and get there. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great idea. I mean, I was watching it thinking, oh, is it too late for me? I'm, <laughs> I'm 45 this year. I'm like, is it too late? Can I, can I do handstand push-ups and, uh, you know, walk on my hands like they can if I go to this club? But 
No, it was, it was cool to watch, admirable. Um, so, yeah, I love what you're talking about there, building the foundation um, and what have you. Um, and then I guess also, like, like, for me as a parent, so, like, we talked about this previously, but when you are at Southampton, Dean Hammond was there, wasn't he? Yeah. Dean Hammond should be coming on next week. So, well, he's booked for next week. So, uh, listen, listen to that one. <laughs> um, he, I asked him once, I said, uh, just out of curiosity, my son likes playing football. If you could just give him one bit of advice to help him be the best football player he can be, what would you say? And I know that's like, obviously, it's, you can't sum up how to be a professional football player in one piece of advice. No, yeah. But I still challenged him to see what he came up with. And he came up with a really good response. He said, never put the, he didn't even hesitate. He went, never put the ball down. Mm. He went, where if I was going to, my mum would be taking me out for the day somewhere, I'd, without even thinking, I'd pick up the ball, the ball would come with me. Um, I'd be in the front room, I'd be kicking it against the sofa, she'd be telling me off. I'd yeah. be kicking it against the wall in my bedroom, she'd be telling me off. You know, everywhere I want, I'd, I'd, I'd go with my football kit, I'd take the ball, can I take the ball, can I take the ball? Never put the ball down. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Mm. And actually, if you read any kind of book about an elite athlete in any sport, there's usually, usually some story where they were obsessed, obsessed with, with, that, yeah. with that. And I yeah. thought, yeah, that's really good advice. And... You can you can Google, so Google's amazing. We've now got ChatGPT. Um, you can type anything you want, and you can get the answers. But you're always in slight doubt, aren't you, as yeah. to the source? Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing like getting the information from the horse's mouth. Yeah. So I trusted the response I got from Dean more than anything <laughs> I could find on Google. Yeah. Because the guy, special football player, quite good level. He's telling me face to face. I like the guy. I trust him. And the same with you. If I'm like, if I want to take Jaden to a football academy or, you know, whatever, I'm going to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've been there, you've done it, you've got the t-shirt, you know, you've recovered from three ACLs, you know, and um, you're, on your, you're on your fourth, oh. yeah. <laughs> pending. <laughs> yeah, pending, yeah. You're not there yet, mate. Still, <laughs> I saw the limp earlier. <laughs> no, um, so I'm going to talk to you because A, I trust you, you know, you're a good guy, you know what you're doing, and... Why would I? Why would I go onto Google and go with something that you know download? Because people say that, don't they? Oh, you know, you can download a program. There's loads online. Yeah, but who wrote the program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's it come from? How do I know it's correct? Who's overseeing it? No yeah. one. Where's the accountability? There's yeah, none. Yeah. So um, that's so the thing. Is I'm selling it for you, haven't I? No, no. But that's the thing, though. It's with like social media. Um, it's just it's saying I know I, from the horse's mouth in terms of the parents. I know they, they're on social media. They're looking at exercises. It. it it works your chest, it works your arms, whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool, I'll go and, I'll go and do that. But like you said, that's not, that's not the important thing. And they can be so brainwashed by social media and obviously other sources in terms of that's what I've got to do, that's what I've got to do. I think one of the biggest challenges for me will be trying to educate them in terms of why you do things, when you do things, um, and trying to convince them that the sexy stuff is the basic stuff and not what you see online all the time. That's the add-ons, isn't it? Yeah. The sexy stuff is the It's the fluff. It's the fluff. Yeah. You know, you can do that. We even, so, um, in, in two, you know, you obviously know this anyway because we've had conversations about it, but 2000, I think it was 2005 or 2006, under Dean Wilkins, when I was there at Brighton Hove Albion, they would have their core program, and I don't mean core as in like abs, lower back, all yeah. that stuff, what we call a core program as in, you know, like your three strength sessions, your main program. And we would say to the players, we've got no bicep exercise in there, we've got no tricep exercise in there, you haven't got any ab exercise or sit-ups. We had core stuff in there, 
but not like aesthetic type yeah. exercises. <coughs> We're like, we don't have any issues with you doing them, but you do that in your time. Yeah. And that would be their add-on stuff that they can go away. They can stay behind at the end and do it, or they can go and do it a different day at the gym that you know they got yeah, access yeah. to. Um, and and I think that that that's that's nice that people have that option to do yeah. that because I think so because I think like. You know, like you said, you said you liked to do that when you were a kid, you were being younger, you liked to get the pump on, you like everyone as if you like to look good. And they went through that phase, I'm, I'm assuming, when they were a kid. And it, you're not going to take that away from these kids. You're not going to say, don't do that because that's not right. They'll probably rebel against you and be like, well, I want to do that. So I think it's a, you accommodating for people, like any, any PT, you try and accommodate for any client you have in terms of what they want and how they want to go about things. But then also you're implementing your sort of philosophy and at the same time, educating them on why maybe that is not your priority, but if you want to do it, it makes you feel good, you do it. But this is educating them on this is what's going to you know get you stronger, get you better for your sports, whatever. Mm. Yeah, by all means, do that. But let's do it in your own time when you're not wasting time on the important stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the, the, having big arms is not preventing injuries. No. Um, it's not improving their sports performance. Um, it's just making their... Profile photo looks slightly better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, cool. Okay. Um, so, when is your launch date for this? Launch date is 26th of January, so this month. Um, there'll be an open event down at Worthen Football Club, um, 6 pm. And then this will be starting uh, beginning of February time. So, it'll be launched. There'll be an open event. Oh, sorry. Let's start again. It'll be launched online in terms of information-wise the 22nd of January. There'll mm-hmm. be an open event at the end of that week, which will be again the 26th. Um, and then the following week, we'll look to start the process of some face-to-face gym sessions and then get everyone involved in the app where they can access you know, some workouts which they can do externally at home or at the gym. Yeah, and we've been working this together. And I've obviously had, had, had a small in. <laughs> it's your business you've been doing it had a small input uh, so, I, so I've fortunate enough to have a little cheeky look at it and uh, yeah I think it's awesome so I'm excited for you and I'm excited for the guys that get to work with you it's going to be great and you're going to love it and the industry needs more people like yourself who there's, there's, there's tons of there's tons of fitness professionals out there that have the passion Yeah, you know we, we all have that we all love healthy fitness we all love what it's done for us personally and what you know what we can then do for others by passing that on but someone like yourself that's got like i keep going on about it but that tenacity and that resilience to be able to overcome how many was it four <laughs> three and a half yeah pending um those injuries juggle that with you know you you've got your experience of working at spc and the the pt your, so you've got your certification to, to prove that you know you've met a certain standard and you've got a qualification to do it. You've got the experience of being a professional footballer. You've got so much to offer that if I if Jaden turns around to me and says, Dad, I want you to I, I want to start getting the gym, I want someone to, who's gonna specialise and work with me to you know get me to be as best football player I can be. Absolute no brainer is going to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, so, like I say, the, the industry definitely needs more people like you rather than just more people that are going to promise you that in 12 weeks I'm going to get you a six pack. Yeah, yeah. Because um, <laughs> there's a lot of those. Yeah. 
Um, not that there's anyone with a six-pack. <laughs> See what yours? <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> not to be an engine anyway. No, no. Sore subject. Anyway. Um, cool. Right. Well, um, where can people find you? Where's, what's the website? So it's aryouthfitnesscoaching.com. And from there, you find all the information about the programs, prices, etc. Great. And if they get in contact um, before the launch day, then I'm assuming there's like that you, you can just let them know then when it's when it's live and good to go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they get in contact before that. Um, that's the email address as well. Um, so if any any interest, they can just go there. Um, limited spaces. So only twenty kids to start off with. Um, see how we get on. But I think before we actually end it, I just want to actually add in that it's. The, the quality of service well, yeah. is quite a big priority rather than sort of mass numbers. So it's not a case of trying to make as much money as I can. I'd rather um, sacrifice income and provide a really good product to the people that are on board. And then once, you know, if their interest is high and or there might be a waiting list, at some point I'll try and accommodate that without sacrificing the quality of work. Yeah, and we, we've, talked, we've talked about the logistics of what's involved in the, the process um, off camera. Um, yeah. But do you want to do you want to talk about it now? Is that something you want to do? Or do you rather once people get in contact or go on your website and see that there? Um, go website and we'll see it there. Yeah, okay, cool. Because I thought it sounded brilliant. Yeah. Really good. Really, yeah. really good. Um, all right, awesome. Well, thank you very much, Aaron. Great to no, chat to you as always. Thank you. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best. But it'd be good to get you on again, uh, actually, once it's all up and running. Once it's running to see how we're getting on, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, nice one. Cheers, Aaron. Thank you, mate. All the best, mate. <laughs> now, if you enjoyed today's episode, something you can do for me is subscribe to my show. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in this content, then please share it with them too. You can also head over to our socials and follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. But if you're ready to take that next step, visit our website, www.stormfitnessacademy.co.uk, fill out a contact form that will come straight to me. I will contact you shortly afterwards and I look forward to speaking to you then.